everyone and welcome to another edition of Responsive Design Weekly, a podcast all about front-end design and development and things that happen in the responsive world. I've been playing around this week. Um, I'm not playing around so much, but I've been using uh, the microphone a lot more. Hence, like, loads of Zoom conversations and, and meetings and online things because you, like me, like the rest of the world, we're all stuck indoors and we're doing things online a lot more now, um, which is a weird thing to say for people who work on the web. Uh, we always work online, but now we're sort of forced to do everything online. We can't pop to the kitchen with our colleague and, and have a coffee. Um, I've, I've taken to setting up Zoom meetings for coffees, and we've got Friday lunches as well for our trips uh, trips to the pub, which is always fun as well. Anyway, uh, I had uh, GarageBand open and I was playing around with my daughter and uh, we had the different voices that you can apply. And I've worked out that I had like a natural voice, which I'd put against last week's track and I never listened to these back again. So I wonder whether or not, I will definitely listen back now. I don't know if it went out with this weird uh, voice modulator over the top and made me sound weirder than I normally sound. Um, but I've had a really tough time trying to get the uh, levels all right in GarageBand again. If anyone wants me, or if anyone wants to send me a really good, there used to be an awesome um, uh, like narrator voice, and now it sounds really reverby. Um, but yeah, so if anyone knows what I've done wrong, please let me know in the show notes or hit, hit reply. Um, yeah, send me a message. Let me know. Uh, Justin at responsivedesign.is. But anyway, long intro, going nowhere. Let's have a look at the week that was. So this is uh, back-to-back episodes for the first time in forever. I do apologize. Um, and I've had loads of trouble. So last week when I finally got this episode recorded... I uploaded it to the podcast capture tool that I use, which is a Simplecast. So it's like for podcast hosting. I record in GarageBand. I export it as an MP3. I upload it to Simplecast. Then I would get an MP3 file from it. I'd put it into my WordPress site. So I'd create a new podcast uh, post type. Uh, and then I'd put a whole bunch of like all the metadata associated with it. Like how big is the file? How long does it go for? What episode ID is it? All the things that uh, podcast players like your your Apple podcasts or your Spotify podcasts, all the things that they need, I would put back in. Turned out that I hadn't touched it in so long that WordPress had changed the way. I'm sure WordPress had done this, but it used to be that all the feeds were like responsive design dot is slash feeds slash and then the name of the thing, right? So it's feed slash podcast. Apparently that changed. So it's not feeds anymore. It's just feed. So it's probably something that I changed, but I'm sure I didn't. Um, but it meant that the feed that was going into the Apple podcasts and to the Spotify podcasts no longer existed. So they'd pulled the shows off uh, their networks, but anyone who had previously subscribed to it and saved it to their podcast listener uh, would still have access to the old stuff, um, but just none of the new stuff was coming up. Anyway, so I tried a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I got the feed working again, so I uploaded the new URL to the feed, tested it. It failed. There was some um, changes to 
the podcast RSS feed requirements for iTunes. So I was like, that's fine. I'll update that. Finished updating that. Uh, went to put it back in again, and there was another failure. So it turned out after doing a little bit of research that I have Cloudflare sitting in front of responsivedesign.is for performance reasons. And for some reason, uh, the uh, iTunes podcast refuses to accept any feeds that have Cloudflare in front of it. Now, I think part of the reason is because of the way that Cloudflare serves files means that the mp3 file being served it just gets chunked up in weird ways so it doesn't play as well through the um through apple podcast so i can kind of get that but the thing is the feed itself was coming from um was coming from cloudflare but the file for the mp3 was being hosted on simplecast so it didn't have those problems anyway Loads of issues with that. Eventually got a workaround in that Simplecast itself offers a feed. Um, it's baked into it. So instead of customizing and manipulating the WordPress feed, I have just fallen back to using the Simplecast feed. So you can now get this back on Apple Podcasts again. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on uh, Stitcher, a whole bunch of other places as well. And Simplecast just sort of handles it for you. There's a little distribution tab in Simplecast. You click on that, you copy and paste their URL, and it just tells you where to go and paste it in for all those other um, all those other distributors. And then once you have your show uploaded to the distributor, it gives you a space to copy and paste the URL from that distributor back into Simplecast so that if people are viewing your uh, show on Simplecast, they've got a choice of a whole bunch of different areas that they can listen to it. So I, Simplecast aren't um, sponsoring this week's show, but I highly recommend going and checking them out because they are kick-ass. Um, so what happened this week? So we had RWD403. Now, I didn't include the introduction that I included in the newsletter. Um, on the uh, article that I've uploaded uh, onto uh, the Responsive Design website. And it had all the details about what the HTTP status code was for 403. So it's really similar to... Because I've got a thing going with the newsletter. Because I'm in the 400s, I'm trying to work out what are all the status codes as we're going through. So I started with 401, which was uh, not authorized. Now, 403 is a bit different. Um, it's kind of similar, but but not the same. Same but different, as I would say. Uh, so yeah, so 403 is actually forbidden. So it is similar to 401, which is not authorized. But 403 status, you might have a user that is authorized with the server. So it's not it's not um, not authorized. So I've authorized with it. Um, but the thing that you're trying to access, you don't have access to. Or the thing that you're trying to do, you're not allowed to do. So it might be that you're trying to access content um, uh, that you don't have authorization for, um, or you're trying to do something which you don't have permissions to do. So if you were, say, uh, trying to create a record and that record already existed with the email address, right? So it's a duplicate record, that might be a 403. Right? You're forbidden from doing that action. A little bit different from 401, which is the um, uh, the not authorized, where you don't have the authorization. Um, there's no been no authentication at the beginning. So small, but there you go. Um, and we have a feature site this week as well, 
which is, uh, I thought it's pretty cool. It's a little uh, webcam tool. Uh, so you can switch on your webcam, go along, and you can change type based on the webcam itself. Uh, so it's called yourtypeface, all one word, .com. Um, and it's a little bit of fun. Flicks on your uh, webcam, you raise your eyes, you open your eyes wider, you put a big smile on, and uh, the typeface will change based on the shape of your face, uh, which is kind of cool. It's a really good experiment uh, and a good example of what you can do uh, with variable fonts. Uh, variable fonts is pretty cool. You should check it out if you haven't already. Um, we had a post last week or the week before about um, variable fonts themselves and how whether or not they're better for performance or worse. Um, and it's a bit of both. If you're, yeah, go and check out that article uh, if you want to. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, the biggest story for the week uh, was around... Um, which is our, our big headline, and I've not had a headline uh, for a while, um, was Apple's attack on service workers, uh, which is brilliant. So it was an article from Jeremy Keith, um, who was following up an article from someone else who had said, uh, so Safari have released uh, are releasing a new version. They're becoming more secure, and they're talking about how they're going to clear the cache um, and the storage, the local storage of all things that are stored on a server uh, on your website uh or sorry all things so if you visit a website it drops cookies it drops uh, things into your local storage it uses uh, a whole bunch of storage mechanisms to provide a better experience for you so for example twitter.com would drop um, some stuff if you're on the uh, the web version of it it drops stuff into the browser what Safari are doing now is saying that if you don't go back to that website within seven days of usage, it will clear all of that storage off for you. Now, that's a, a bit of a big deal in that people are using things like service workers to store the cache of, um, of the site to make sure things are available offline. Now, if you go back to Safari loads of times during the week, after seven days, but you don't visit the site that has that storage included, then that's going to get cleared off, which is not so good. Jeremy's article is amazing on it. It's a, a long look into it, and it explains it a ton better than what I'm doing at the moment. Um, but I think the, the crux of what people are looking at here is the service workers are great, and um, progressive web apps are amazing, right? It's sort of taking the advantage away from the native um, the native app stores. And Apple rely heavily on their app store. Um, it brings in a lot of revenue for them. And the question is kind of, are the changes they're making here purely privacy focused? Are they doing it for the good of the users? Or are they doing it partly because they're trying to uh, ensure that the ecosystem of their app store is still intact. Um, I would like to think it's the prior, but I can also see the latter as well. But check out Jeremy Keith's article. It is a really good one as well. Um, what else have we got now here as well? Oh, Firefox have released a really cool thing uh, called Firefox. Um, well, it's for a better web, and they've linked up with a company called Scroll. The idea behind it is that you pay $2.50 um, per month. And when you're using this particular version, um, any 
any uh, so just say you go and visit just say New York Times buys into this right New York Times has a bunch of advertising on their site if you pay um, for this subscription to Firefox with scroll then when you go to the New York Times if they've bought into this approach all of their ads come off and you just consume the content as it were um, and then they the length of time that you spend on the site it sort of drips feed them drip feeds them cash and the whole idea is that you're able to make more money out of people being on your site and consuming your content in a nice way like a subscription a centralized subscription service than you would if you had ads and the benefit is as well as that no one's stealing all your data and selling it on uh, which is what ad companies do now i've got this uh, kind of similar thing running on the responsive designer site with a thing called coil so i've got like a coil meta tag and if you've got the browser extension for coil on your uh, browser and you pay a fee to coil then as you uh, are consuming content from the site I'm going to get drip fed um, Bitcoin, well, not Bitcoin, but um, some electronic currency. Um, so, yeah, it looks like a, a cool idea. And I love the I love the concept of trying to make content on the web. Better and not so it's not better, but making creating content on the web a viable way of earning an income. And I think advertising has had its day it doesn't really work there's lots of privacy concerns in it i think something like this is going to be really really important for the future of the web um what else have we got so we've got some uh, uh dave rupert writes an amazing tutorial on performance so we're always big on performance and when we're building sites we're like yeah it has to has to be within the first 14 kilobytes. We've got to put our critical CSS and we've got to uh, set up all our DNS prefetches and we've got to optimize our images and compress our JavaScript and combine it all into one file and compress our CSS into one file and we've got to turn gzip on. And so we go through all these uh, hoops that we jump through to try and make our sites as performant as possible. And then they go live and then we never look at it again. So we might run reports, but we never actually really read it or we'll make an update to a site. We won't take things off. So just say the site changes a bit and we're like, oh, we don't use that image header anymore or we don't use this piece of functionality anymore. But we often still leave the JavaScript code compiled or all the CSS that powered that feature compiled in the, um, in the CSS file. So we slowly sort of like bulk out the site again. Um, and bloat it up and uh, Dave's article is about sort of revisiting your website and and maintaining the performance so do the checks every so often and what he found is that the way that he had implemented fonts all of a sudden on some browsers it was taking his site an extra 33 seconds to fully load um, and with just one change he was able to shave 33 seconds off the performance of his site and he is like a very, very good web developer and is very, very focused on performance. And even he makes these mistakes. So it's not uh, an, it's not something which is weird to happen and you're not a crappy developer if it does happen to you, but it's just about making sure you keep it in the, in the front of your mind and, and go out and, um, and, and monitor your sites. Um, one of the last things that I want to uh, touch on is, uh, so we'll touch on two other areas. Uh, one is uh, an, uh, another article from Jeremy Keith. He had a, a busy week this week. Um, we're all indoors. There's lots of time to write. 
Um, but he talks about uh, because he is indoors, he can't go and play uh, music with his friends anymore. He can't go out to the bars and, and play his mandolin and in like a, a group that he is used to. So he's been doing um, a lot of playing. So he plays uh, like for half an hour, an hour or something um, a day, but in front of the webcam, uh, records, the <laughs> records the video and uploads it onto YouTube. Um, but he was looking for... He, he then just sort of updated his site with a whole bunch of YouTube videos. But the issue with that sometimes is that if you have loads and loads of YouTube videos listed on the same page, then every time that embed is loaded, you also load in all the CSS and all the JavaScript um, that you might need to play that video. So all of a sudden, if you've got 10 or 15 videos on the page, all of those little chunks of information are being loaded into the browser which is slowing the performance of your site down. Um, if people are viewing it on mobile devices, it's clogging up the network, it's using their battery. It's all just bad stuff. So he's got an article about how he implemented a way that you could put your embed code in there, but it what it does is it, it shoots off, um, uses the API from uh, Google, uh, from YouTube, pulls back a thumbnail, he stores the thumbnail and then uh, showcases just the thumbnail, so just the image. And it returns a load of different images that you can use. So he then uses the picture element um, or is it the source set? I can't recall, but he, he uses all of the different um, image types that can come back, not types, the image sizes that can come back so that you've got responsive images there as well. And then if someone shows an indication that they then want to watch the video, they click on it and then it loads in the things that it needs to play. Very, very clever. And it's something that we just, well, personally, I just never thought of. Um, I kind of always knew that it was a bit of a performance hit and I might just then shunt them off to different pages but really good work from uh, from jeremy all the code is up there it's all written uh in, in javascript where where required um but there's also some php scripts there as well because his site's powered uh, by php but you could always take that code and re-implement it for yourself but yeah really really good um and then the last one is an article from josh um who talks about the benefits we're talking about images with jeremy's then um on how jpeg png and uh, WebP, how they all stack up next to each other. And he, he covers the best practices in using the picture element and how to cover all the different browsers that are out there and include the right image format um, so that you can get the best performance for the users checking it out. So there's a couple of other articles that are in there, but I'll let you go and check it all out. There's some free stuff. Um, there's some hosting from Netlify that are free for anyone that's offering information about coronavirus stuff. And then talk about static site generators uh, with Netfl Netlify. There are two articles in there about how you can search. So an interactive and dynamic uh, search capability um, using uh, both uh, Google Custom Search and Algolia Search. So two different articles. So you want to check those out. Go and check those out. That is all for me this week. Back to back weeks for the first time forever. Very happy with it. Um, I'll continue to try and do this on a week basis. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. The shows are now up there. Um, please rate them up. Please share them. If there's anything that you have seen in the web uh, that you would like featured in the newsletter or you would like me to mention as part of this, please shoot me an email at uh, justin at responsivedesign.is. But until next week, stay responsive, wash your hands, stay indoors, and help out the medical profession. Talk to you soon. Bye.
And the last one, um, go to uh, do not touch your face.com. So spell it like it sounds. Uh, do not touch your face.com. Um, it's wonderful. Uh, again, a couple of folks have used uh, tensorflow.js, uh, tensorflow uh, which is a machine learning um, uh, JavaScript library. What you do, you uh, click record and you record yourself not touching your face. So a little video for three or four seconds. Um, and then with clean hands, because we're all washing our hands a lot now. Uh, with clean hands, record the video again with you doing nothing but touching your face. Um, once you've done that, it sets its machine learning up and uh, you can let it run in the background. And every time you raise your hand towards your face to touch your face, um, if you've got it on screen, it flashes red and says, no, 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 uh, which is quite uh, humorous. Uh, but it also works in the in the background as well. Now, again, a warning: if you haven't touched your face in a while and you forgot it's running, it scares the bejeebas out of you when it tells you not to touch your face. But it's a great way to see how often you are touching your face and using um, all the web technologies to be able to do that. But that's it. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you uh, go and check out all those uh, different links. Um, you can go to uh, rwd.is uh, or responsivedesign.is. Uh, and find the weekly newsletter linked there with all the different links as well. Uh, we'll link this up in the show notes as well. Um, I'll try and do this each week. It's kind of fun. We, I have a um, uh, an interview series actually, which is going to be super fun. Now, not a podcast interview series, although maybe, um, but it is a written interview series. I was planning on going back to Australia uh, in April, we're going to go back with the family. It was my 40th birthday. We're going to go see everyone. Um, but plans have changed. We'll delay that for uh, for 12 months, um, hopefully for only 12 months, uh, and then get over there later. But while I was out there, I didn't want to uh, continue to do the newsletter week in, week out, and have that take up valuable time with the family. So I set up um, a series of interviews with some people that I love in the industry, asking them a series of questions about responsive design and uh, we're going to run them still. So I'll still run them through April because they're really interesting and uh, people took a lot of time to, to, to put their answers in. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see uh, yeah, we'll see what people have to say about that. So we'll run, uh, I'll keep doing the podcast. I'll include uh, what people say. And if you're interested in that and you haven't already signed up to uh, the newsletter and you can on the bottom of every page at responsivedesign.is. But until next week, be safe, keep your family safe, um, isolate as much as you can, wash your hands, but stay sane, get exercise, get away from the TV, play games, in, enjoy yourself as much as you can. Uh, but until next week, thanks for tuning in and I'll talk to you again soon. Cheers, bye.